You're listening to Sibling Talk with Mary Jo Tumare and John Paulette. Commentary from a progressive point of view. Hello, I'm John Paulette. And I'm Mary Jo Tumare. Mary, let me puzzle me this, if you will. Or is it riddle me this, Riddler? Puzzle (laughs) me this. We are in the middle of a historic worldwide pandemic that has yet to even really reach Africa or a number of other parts of of the world. There, at the same time, continue to be AIDS outbreaks in Africa. We've had some cases of Ebola. And while all of this is going on, the president of the United States stops the funding to the World Health Organization. What? Because he's mad at them? Or do you think it's because he needs to find a boogeyman and he's decided he's run through the media, he's run through the Democrats, and now he needs someone else to blame for what was not done in January and February? Do you think it's that second? Because I'm inclined to that, that he needs somebody dependent on. I do, because there's no one left but the WHO. I mean, he could blame China, but he's not going to do that. And you know that was pointed out, you know, in real time last night, the hypocrisy of him blaming the WHO when at the same time he's praising, when was at the end of January, praising China for their transparency and their cooperation. So it, that to me just didn't make any sense, but it only makes sense if you live in the mind of Donald Trump, which is it can't be his fault. He's got to blame somebody else. And who does his base love the best to blame? Who are their favorite, you know, boogeymen? It's foreigners. Well, and I organizations. Yeah. And I think with the kind of skill that only Donald Trump can have, I think he's actually managing to blame China, at least so far as the conservatives are concerned, because he's hung the WHO on China. They favor China. China doesn't spend enough. So while his direct attack is on the WHO, the implication is there that these guys are in cahoots with China. When he picks up the phone to President Xi, he could say, no, 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 I've been praising you all along. But the China hawks, which is much of his extreme conservative base, they hear the dog whistle and they say, that's right. Those guys, they favored China right from the beginning. It's kind of like a perfect storm for him, isn't it? It is. Uh, You know, he can blame China, but he doesn't really have to blame China but he can blame this international organization that's attached to the UN and they're really bad people. They're, they're a deep state in and of themselves and all foreigners are bad. That's part of this whole thing too. Um, And we're getting screwed because we're giving all kinds of money and nobody's helping us. There's so many pieces in that story that are wrong or the pieces that are missing. But in the way that Trump tells the story, 
to the people who care and who listen to them, it probably sounds relatively cogent. Well, and it makes total sense in terms of everything he's been doing since since he was inaugurated. NATO is a bad group that they're not uh, spending their share. And so the America, uh, the United States is having to spend a disproportionate amount. It's not true, but that was his story, and that appealed to his base. The Iran deal, which people forget, was not just a deal between the United States and uh, Iran. It was a multinational deal. We were getting screwed on, on that deal. The Paris uh, climate, deal. climate uh, change, same thing. So over and over again, when he was confronted with a international group, that's his instinct. Nope, we're getting a bad deal. We got to get out of that. We've got to fall back to America first. So to your, your first question, which I think was a good one, is this a matter that he hates the World Health Organization? In a way, yes, because he instinctively hates any group outside the United States. Is he looking for a boogeyman? I would say almost yes. I suspect his staff was looking for a boogeyman because they had to get him focused on something. And when they tossed that softball out, it was perfect. It's exactly what he wanted. Yeah, I mean, it gave him something to talk about last night because what he's dying to talk about and what he wants to do, and the Washington Post is just reporting on this, is that he has to get the country open by May 1st. That's two weeks from now. And he's insisting on doing that no matter what anybody says to him, the medical people, the staff people, anybody, he can't get off of that thing. So at least yesterday, rather than spending the whole press conference talking about that, he at least had the WHO to talk about. Well, he did. I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say it's so craven in the time, back to your original point, your premise, at a time of international pandemic to come out and say, we're taking our ball and going home. We don't need you, particularly when nobody in the world is doing a worse job than us, except maybe some failed states, but no major economy is doing as poorly as we are in terms of getting people tested and getting people ready to go back to work. Well, and I think it's important, you talk about last night's presser. I think there's something else there. The expectation set up by the administration was that he was going to announce this second tax uh, task force, uh, the Open the Country Task Force. <laughs> and he, I, I can hear you laughing already. Uh, and he had promised that he was going to have uh, major CEOs on this. Stephanie Rule for NBC, strong business reporter, apparently spent the last two or three days calling these CEOs. And one of them after another, according to her reporting, said, no way, I'm not going to be on that that commission. So he was faced with the story that should have been the lead of the press conference was the announcement of the task force, and he couldn't do that. He then went on to read painfully for what it must have been five or ten minutes the names of every company he could think of (laughs) the implication was that these people were going to cooperate in the task force but that wasn't true this was a list somebody came up with 
of these are companies you could call. I, I used to be in sales. That's your cold call list. You just thought of everybody you possibly could that you might call. But he presents them as if they're already clients. That was really painful, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> like, it, you know, there are moments where I feel sorry for him. And that was one of them. Like, he just wants to be the cool guy. So the cool kid so bad, but nobody wants to play with him. But if you remember the last time he did one of these economic councils, a lot of people had to jump off because of his comments on Charlottesville. Right. So I think that, first of all, who wants to be associated with that? When you push an early release date, COVID comes back with a vengeance and you've been associated with that. So I think that's part of it. But the other thing is these companies may be, so Jamie Dimon may be talking to Trump every day but he's not going to be associated with him in such a public thing, particularly when the main guys he's got out there are, you know, friends and family. Absolutely. And just on a very practical level, if I'm Jamie Dimon, if I'm any of these CEOs, and I hear you want me to be on a task force, you want me to come to meetings, and the head of this task force is going to be Donald Trump. You've just told me, I'm going to take two hours out of my day and sit there and listen to him go on and on. I would say you're out of your mind. Yeah, just like he does with Fauci. It's crazy. Yeah, he takes absolutely. so much of Fauci's time to really just be, you know, I don't know, sitting there giving him credibility or something. It's, a pre it's pretty sad. It's very sad. And I cannot let you go without mentioning the president wants his name on the checks. Like anybody cares, like yeah. anybody's going to get that check and say, thanks to Donald Trump. Wow. That is just, again, so craven. Yeah, I'm not. I can imagine he may think there's somebody in Wisconsin. Sorry to pick on Wisconsin in a small town. And they'll say, Mr. Trump, you're willing to do this to almost save my life. I'm not even going to cash this. I'm going to frame it and I'm going to put it <laughs> up on the wall. And I will always remember that Donald Trump cared that much about me. And we're told that he even asked Steve Mnuchin whether or not he could sign the checks. Which I didn't know. See, we learned so much. I didn't know that Trump could not sign those, that it has no, to be the Secretary of the Treasury. I was a great, no, for, great piece of information. For three years now, and a little bit of change, we have gotten one of the most incredible civics lessons ever. <laughs> Yeah, it's been awesome. <laughs> it's been wonderful. One more of his superpowers. Well, that's great. I will talk to you tomorrow when I am sure there will be new exciting things. All right. Bye, John. Bye.